I am super, super, super excited to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. I really am. Pastor Mark told me one time, he said, sometimes in your, basically I'm going to paraphrase it here, sometimes in your flesh, you're going to write something, you're going to put it down, and you're going to have this message prepared, and you're going to tell yourself, this is fire. I cannot wait to give this message on Sunday. And then you show up on Sunday, and probably 25% of the people that you knew, you knew this message was going to impact them, they're not there that Sunday. Happens all the time, right? So I built this message, and uh, fear set in. Fear. Because I'm like, I think this message is pretty decent. I literally woke up this morning super early because I've had a busy week, and I put all my talking points in. That's what I do. I told you guys. I usually do my talking points Saturday night, Sunday morning. So that way, when I get up here and I start reading this stuff, I don't have to ask myself, what was I thinking about when I wrote that? I don't like that. So today we're going to talk about F-E-A-R. F-E-A-R. Fear. It's a noun and a verb. Noun. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Verb. To be afraid, afraid of said elements. To be afraid of something or someone is likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. Fear. Anybody here afraid? Is anybody here afraid? Anybody walk faith over fear every day? I'm so full of faith. I'm so not afraid. I'm going to just take the day. Yeah, right. You're wearing a mask. You put your mask on. You're like, I got this. I'm going to crush this goal. You ever get scared? I'm scared. I'm scared of a lot of things. But they're healthy. Right? You guys have heard me say healthy and unhealthy fear. We're going to cover it again. You know what F-E-A-R stands for? I heard it said many times, so I quote it. False evidence appearing real. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Fear is at the root of all human emotions. Did you know that? Good or bad or indifferent, some form of fear, anxiety, or panic is at the root core of every action you place in your life. Fear. Healthy fear. Healthy fear. Chris, that's like the opposite of what the Bible tells me I need to do. I know. You need faith. But we're going to learn about that today because this Bible that we read has so many stories to help us identify with another human being on an emotional level and understand that you are not the only person who's going through what you're going through. You are not the only person who is feeling what you're feeling. You are not the only one. And those people that existed thousands of years ago, and their names are in this book, they were not different than you. That's what you think, though. Moses, man, he was so full of faith, and he went up, and he stood up to the Pharaoh, and he put, the, 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 he put his staff in the water, and he was awesome. Moses was a coward. Moses was afraid, and Moses didn't want to do the work. Does that sound like you? Okay, then. 
There are legitimate fears. Fear of ignorance causes you to seek an education and fear of poverty makes you work, yes? Fear. Those are healthy fears. Fear of disease motivates you to practice healthy and sanitary living, yes? Fear of losing your job will inspire you to wake up. I told you that. That's my go-to always. I have, an, uh, I have a healthy fear. When my alarm goes off in the morning, I get up out of fear. Because if I don't get up, I don't go to work, and I don't go to, I lose my job, and I can't pay my bills, and I'm going to lose my house, and I don't know where I'm going to sleep tomorrow. Started with what? Fear. Started with fear. But people don't realize that. Fear of failing a class will drive a student to spend extra time in the books. Fear of losing our family will inspire us to be faithful to them, work hard for them, and love them on a daily basis. Yes? So if you're not doing those things, you must not be afraid to lose them. Yeah, I said it. If you're not doing those things, you, might not, you must not be afraid to lose them. So I use the acrostic fear, false evidence appearing real. However, if the evidence is real, we should certainly have some healthy fear, right? So I'm talking about the evidence is you don't get up and go to work, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. That's an evident reality and fear, okay? There's real fear in walking across a busy street, especially if you're going to do it with a blindfold on. Real fear, right? There was real fear when you climbed up that tree when you were 17 because you didn't care if you were going to fall out of it. There was fear. There's legitimate fear in driving our cars at excessive speeds. It says 65. You're doing 92. If your tire blows out, what is going to happen? You won't have any control if it's one of your front tires, I'll tell you that. We must learn to distinguish helpful, fear, helpful fears from harmful fears. Yes? When you can do that, fear is a friend. Until you learn to do that, fear is your enemy. What do you think of that? Yeah. Healthy fear is temporary and situational. Unhealthy fear is enduring beyond its necessity. Are you sitting here just eating yourself up? Chris, you named a bunch of examples of things that we should legitimately be fearful of. Can you name us some things that I shouldn't? Okay. Fear of meeting new people? You ever get weird with that? Fear of getting up here and doing what I'm doing. Could you do that? Or would you be terrified? Would you literally put yourself to the point where you would build anxiety where your body's fight or flight system turns on and stirs up unhealthy chemical reactions in your body and do it to yourself for two weeks because I asked you to come up here and speak? <laughs> That's fear you don't need to have. Right? But if you were totally reliant upon God, couldn't you learn, learn to push those fears away? Okay. 
Fear of meeting new people, fear of public speaking, fear of someone not liking you, fear of trying something new. Fear exists in so many different forms that are unhealthy. These types of fears are renting space in your head for free. Anybody giving space in their head to somebody they don't like, something that they're afraid of? You're just giving space. How can you be still and know that God is God if you're sitting there worried about what you're going to do next week and it's not even here yet? Yeah. Creates anxiety, which can lead to a panic attack. Anybody ever have a panic attack? I'm dying. This is it. I didn't know I was going to go this way. I don't know if I'm ready. God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to go this way. Been there, done that. You ever heard this phrase? Fear of the Lord is the beginning to wisdom. That is healthy fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning to wisdom. All my Bible scholars, what part of the Bible does that come from? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs, yes. If somebody said Proverbs, I have bad ears. I took this ear exam. No. I took this ear exam a few years ago, and, uh, and um, they said I don't hear high-pitched sounds very well. So if any wives or husbands have had them tell you that you don't hear women or small children, I've been told that. See, if I'm standing here like this, and a woman is behind me and says things like knife, I hear life, wife, knife, some weird strife. i like, what? What did you say? Gets me in a lot of trouble, but it's a, it's a, it's a medical condition that I'm not going to do anything about until my ears stop working. Um, anyways, all jokes aside. So see, some of the women in the house said Proverbs. I could barely hear them. That's okay. Proverbs. <laughs> fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Does this sound like healthy fear or unhealthy fear? Healthy fear. The true knowledge of growing into an understanding of who God is leads to healthy fear. Well, today we're going to look at Jacob. And we're going to see fear. Because Jacob's uh, he's a tough guy, right? He stole his brother's blessing. Remember that? He deceived his father. Right? He went to work for Laban for 20 years. He's put up with a lot. Right? When he left, what did his brother want to do? His brother wanted to kill him. You remember that? And for all of those of you who are wondering where we're going over the next nine months, it's on the back of your bulletins. After we finish this, jo Jacob's return to Canaan, Joseph as a slave, Joseph as a servant to Egypt, and Joseph the savior of Israel. We are going to be in Genesis for at least for another nine months to a year. I love it. I've got material for a long time here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So, so Jacob's gone through a lot, right? Well, now Jacob, we remember last week, we're going to pick up where we left off. Jacob has finally left. He's left. Laban caught up to him. They hashed everything out. His unclean wife defiled a false idol. Remember all this. 
And now he's gone. He's free. He's finally free of Laban. But what does he have to go face immediately after? Because he's returning to the land that God told him to go back to. Okay, now wait a second. Chris, pastor, I'm on this mission. I feel like God rescued me from this, this whatever I was doing in my life. I feel like God has set me in the right course. I feel like God brought me to this church. I feel like, I feel like God was doing something, but right now I'm going to let fear take over because I'm going to become a forgetter for a moment. Remember we asked, I asked you about being a forgetter? But he reminds himself, yet he forgets at the same time. How do I know this? Because your actions speak just as loud as your words. We would normally say your actions speak louder than your words, but his words in this story are going to be spot on. So in this story, I'm going to say his actions speak equally with his words. So let's read. Genesis 32. Jacob, so Jacob went on his way. Remember, he just left Laban. And the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to who? To Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says. I love how he just keeps calling himself his servant now. Why would he call himself Jacob's servant? F-E-A-R. He burned this dude 20 years ago. Tell him his servant says. Tell him his servant says. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Fear. Healthy fear. He needed to reconcile with his brother. Yes? Do you have people you need to reconcile with? Been 5, 10, 15, 20 years? He knew that God had a plan for him, and God had built up his wealth, and God had blessed him here, and now he's on his way because he's looking at all this stuff. Look, I've acquired all these camels. I've got all these donkeys. I've got, I've got all this wealth. I've got a family. I've got... Two wives, and, and, and I've got all these children. I've been truly blessed. And now I have to go back to the land that God just told me in the last few weeks to return to my land. I'm on my way there, but I know I'm going to have to see my brother. And he doesn't avoid him. He didn't avoid him. He went to him. So he wanted to reconcile. Yes? Would you agree? He could have avoided him. It went around. Esau was not dwelling in the land of promise. Esau was dwelling in the land of Edom. So he purposely went to this area and reconciled with his brother on his journey. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you. 
with 400 men are with him. F-E-A-R. I underlined it and put it in bold on my sheet. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Why? Because he became an instant forgetter. Uh-oh. I forgot that God said he was going to take care of me. I forgot that God told me to return to the land, that he promised me everything was going to be okay. I forget. I forgot. Because my actions are speaking just as loud as my words. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him. Now he's taking action, folks. He divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Healthy fear. Preparation. If I go across the street blindfolded, I might not make it. Maybe I should leave my wealth with my daughter. Here, Jaslyn, take everything. Here's the passcodes to all the banks. I might not make it. Fear. He was driven by fear in his actions right now. Then Jacob said, now I underlined all this. This is what's important today in this scripture. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. He's well aware and acknowledging, you have totally done me good. I am not worthy of anything that you've done for me. And I'm acknowledging that right now. And you told me we were, I was going back. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown, shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. This is what's going on, God. Don't forget about me. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Lest he come and attack me and the mother with my children, with the children. For you said, for you said, God, you said, I will surely treat you well. And make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau's brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. Say that five times real fast. Then he delivered to them the hand of his servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau my brother meets you and asks you saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going? Who are these in front of you? Then you shall say, they are your servants, Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau. And behold, he, is also, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the droves saying, in this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him and also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presents that go before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him. That night in the camp, oh, over before him, but he lodged himself that night in the camp. It's nighttime. He's got a plan. 
He's, he is hopeful on God. He's made his petition. I'll summarize it. God, you said. And now he's got his plan also. Hey, you're going to line up and you're going to get all these. And then, and then you're going to tell them that I'm behind you when you go there. And then, okay, now you guys right here, okay, now listen, you're going to go behind them. And when you get there, people don't do these things unless they're afraid. This is unhealthy fear. Why? Because God made Jacob a promise. And this anxiety and this panic and all these actions and motives he's doing spell out his unhealthy fear. Healthy fear, my brother wants to kill me. Unhealthy fear, God has assured me that's not going to happen. You see two sides here? What do I want you to get out of that? What you feel and what you go through is normal. You're not the first person to feel that way. You're not the first person to be afraid. You're not the first Christian who's been coming in and out of those doors for 22 years and then went out in the street and your actions spoke that you're lacking faith today. You're not the first. And you certainly won't be the last. Here's Jacob. This is 20 years of God doing awesome things for Jacob. How awesome, Chris? They weren't too awesome, but you know what I mean. Jacob went through 20 years of hell. I don't know what your life looks like unless you tell me. So, moving on. But he lodged himself, he himself lodged that night in the camp, and he arose that night and took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the fort of Jabok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. You ever been alone in your thoughts? A man, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. You know what Jacob meant? Heel grabber. I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. You grab onto God when you're afraid? You want to wrestle with him until he makes it okay? It's okay to do that. But then I look weak. But I don't want to tell anybody that that's how I really feel. Who cares? You only need you and God. That stuff's a testimony to people, not a sob story. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, 
Why is it that you ask about my name? You don't need to know my name. You know my name. You know who I am. And he blessed him there. Jacob didn't let go. He wrestled with God, and he was blessed in the night. For I have seen God, he named the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. You see, he knew that was God. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him. Anybody ever have dark times in your life and then get renewed? Ever heard it's a new day? Okay. The sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the muscle that shrank. Now, moving through my notes. So I, I knew there was a lot, and I knew we were doing communion, and I, I, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to be confined to time today. The order is that I'm going to give the message. So what did I get out of these? What did I, what did Chris, what did your pastor pull out of all this today? Well, God prepared Jacob for this meeting. God has prepared Jacob over 20 years to be able to one day come and meet with his brother and reconcile. The angels of God met him trying to instill a source of comfort. Why? Because he was afraid. Because he was full of fear. False evidence appearing real. Well, his brother did want to kill him, so there was nothing false there. But at the same time, he'd been given a promise that he was going to be blessed, he was going to be okay, God was going to take care of him, and God was going to, out, he was going to do, live a great life, and he was going to uh, have a multitude of people outnumbered more than the seashore. Got it. So he's, he's caught up. You ever live there? Anybody here live there? I'm right in between. God, you told me this, but my life says this, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know which way to lean. We have stories like this in the Bible to help you lean in the right direction. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to tell you which way that is. But you might need to hear it. You can just lean on God, okay? Only twice in the Old Testament is the expression angels of God used. Did you know that? Only twice. I found this out as I was doing this study. Only twice. And it was here in Genesis. Genesis 28.12 and Genesis 32.1. It's the only times. The term, the expression, angels of God, angels of God in the Old Testament. Angel of the Lord, angels of God. This divine encounter was designed to what? To again reassure him of God's divine protection. How many times does God have to show up in our lives and reassure you? How many times? Man, he does it to me all the time. He does it to me. I'm the pastor. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you he does it to me all the time. Because I'm a forgetter. Just like you. 
Life happens, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I will tell you, though, I've told you this before. I sweat the small stuff. I don't sweat the big stuff. I do a great job of that, actually. I praise God for that. Stuff like this is going on, I'm like, I'm not even tripping. God's going to. But I'll sweat small, stupid stuff. You know? I sweat stupid stuff. I was thinking about this. I, I went over to the restroom while we were getting ready. It's another thing. It's like, these are the things. I'm like, I'm getting out what I was going to share today. So a few months back, I started negotiating to go work for a new company. There was no fear in this. I worked for one of the largest manufacturers and mills for floor covering in the United States, and I was a top producer in the country, and I left the job. To go prove myself somewhere else, to go from hero to zero, I did that. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because God led me in that direction, and I knew that's what God wanted me to do. Why, Chris? Because I'm always in constant contact with God, and God and I know the other situations that are going on in my life, and God and I know that I was being prepared to make a change, and that one change was going to come, and there was three opportunities this year, and the first two were no's, and this one came out of nowhere, and I knew this was it. And I made the decision, not based out of fear. But you want to know stuff I am afraid of? I don't sweat the big stuff. I trust God. I've told you guys this. I share this from my own experience. I trust God in those areas. I compete next Saturday. I want to hit a 500 plus pound squat. I hit 474 last time. Guess what? I'm scared of 500. I've done it in my garage. But in my head right now, I don't think I can do it on the platform. That is the stupid stuff that I'm stressing about. I'm not stressing about getting up and going to work tomorrow. I'm not stressing about some owner of some floor store yelling at me about some material that didn't show up, cupping, buckling, their customers living in a hotel for three weeks, wanting 50 grand. I don't care about that stuff. I care about 500 pounds on my back, and am I going to get it? Stupid. I sweat the small stuff. So guess what? I'm going to go to the competition next week, and my third attempt's going to be 500 plus. And if I get it, I get it. And if I don't, that's okay. But I'm going to try it. I'm sharing that with you guys because I want you to learn that we got to just lean and just, you can't let fear cripple you. Fear cripples us. The devil, your enemy, the adversary, he would be happy if you did nothing from now till when you died. He wants you crippled, immobilized. God is an option. God is an option for your kids. Going to church is an option. He wants you to be a forgetter. If you're a forgetter, you're not going to bring anybody else away from him and to God. Amen? Amen. Jacob was full of fear. Full of fear. How do you know, Chris? He sent messengers ahead. Esau was approaching with 400 men. I would be scared. Especially knowing your brother wants to kill you. 
you're there to reconcile, and now your guys that you sent came back, and they're like, hey, he's coming with 400 dudes. Not 400 women, not 400 camel herders, 400 men. That's what it says. Didn't say he was coming with 400 servants, 400 children, 400 concubines. It said 400 men. Fear was crippling Jacob. Out of fear, Jacob did what? Jacob prayed to be delivered. Is that what you do? Is it? Is it? Is that what we do? Is that our first response? Pastor Chris, is that your first response? Not always. I have friends that tell me, the first thing I do in the morning is I wake up, I hit my knees, I roll out of bed, I hit my knees and I pray. And I'm like, that's great. I wake up, stretch out my back pain, stumble around, take my medicine, use the restroom, I get coffee, I feed my cats. Sometime after that, I might start thinking about God. So I don't, I, I respect you if you, first thing you do in the morning is you roll over and you go, oh Lord, I'm awake now and I'm so grateful. For, Great, dude, that's awesome. Pastor Chris, do you do that? Not always. Nope. I'm being honest. I like honesty. I don't want to pretend that I'm holier than thou. I'm not. I'm just here doing the work of the Lord. He likely what? Remembered Esau's threat to kill him. Likely? Oh, highly likely. Highly likely. This is all he was thinking about. Jacob addressed God as the God of Abraham and the father of his Isaac. He wanted to remind God of his command to return to his country and the promise to bless him. Fear was motivating him. Fear was fighting his faith in the moment. Doubt was plaguing his judgment. Because his judgment and his actions and his motives said that he was truly afraid. He started making a, a massive amount of preparations to avoid this conflict that was coming. And the conflict was getting killed. Yes? I want you to know something. He had the correct attitude in prayer. Do you know what he had? Total dependency on God. He had total, total dependency on God. He petitioned God to be delivered because he was scared. I wrote here, it's normal and it's okay to be scared. The difficult that many of us face is giving total reliance and dependence on God in those situations. That is your struggle. Why? I don't know. Your boss said something on Tuesday, it upset you, and you didn't start praying. You just walked around with your feelings hurt, and you had a bad rest of your day. You didn't sit there and go, you know, God, you promised me that one day I was going to have his job anyways. I'm good. You didn't do that. Well, you should. His attitude was total dependency on God. And that's the attitude we got to have. He wanted to appease Esau. How do you know, Chris? Well, he sent 550 animals. Did you do the math on all that? 550 animals. Anybody here own any livestock? No one. Okay. So my son raised pigs for FFA. 
that used to cost us about $300 and he would sell them for 1000 The kids that grow the bulls and they grow the cattle for FFA, they usually sell them at market for like five grand. He sent 550 animals. Do you think he was scared? 550 animals. Yeah. Let's move on. Before Jacob would enter what, guys? The land of promise. The same land's been promised over and over and over and over to this family, yes? It was promised to Abraham. It was promised to Isaac. It's now been promised to Jacob. And everybody that's going to come after Jacob, all the descendants of Israel are promised that land. Before Jacob would enter the land of promise, he was met by who? God. Have you been met by God where you're at? You ever get that feeling like something's urging me to pray? I can't sleep. I can't this. I feel unsettled. I feel uneasy. If your next move is in total dependence on God, then you need to refocus your mindset. Because remember, he prayed these prayers. He prayed these prayers. And what happened? God showed up and met him in the night. The darkness symbolized Jacob's situation. Fear is darkness. It's just there's no light that comes out of the dark. Like a black hole. That's what fear is like. It's like a black hole. Your hope just can't escape. It's crippling. Fear and uncertainty seized him, yes? Jacob was full of fear. And now fear and uncertainty seized him. So what would happen when he had this encounter with God? Well, here's the first thing that would happen. He would be crippled. Why, Chris? I'll tell you in a second. Second, he would be blessed. And the third thing that would happen in this encounter with God, he would be renamed. Chris, why did God cripple Jacob? So that he would learn to have total dependence on him. He was no longer going to depend on his flesh and his abilities. He was going to learn total dependence on God. You know, you want to hear fear? This is another fear. I'm a weightlifter. I love lifting weights. You want to know what my fear is? One day, God's going to allow me to get injured so that I can't do it anymore. You know, I was afraid to ever say that and speak power into it. But it's one of those things that's ran through my head so many hundreds of times. It's like, you know how those things that God runs through your heads hundreds of times because you know it's a reality and it's a truth? Don't know. Maybe that's because God wants me to lean more of my own dependence on him. That's why he makes me think that. And maybe just acknowledging it, I'll get out the other side and I won't end up hurt. But I'll learn to rely on him more because of the fear. You need to have healthy fear because fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. 
When he was crippled, he would not let go of the man until he was blessed. Ironic that the name meant heel grabber from birth, and have he had here he clung to this man for a blessing. When asked his name, he displayed his nature through his birth name. Jacob wouldn't let go of God. Let me go. Not till you bless me. Who are you? Heel grabber. Yeah, I can tell. Shoe fly. Here, let me touch your hip. You're done. You want to wrestle with me? I think not. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. When God touched the strongest part of the wrestler, it shriveled. What part of you does God need to touch? What are you afraid to let go of? It shriveled, and it also shriveled Jacob's persistent self-confidence. His carnal and fleshly weapons were of no use, and they failed him in this contest with God. It took him 20 years to realize this. He was in the hands of the one against whom it is useless to struggle. Anybody else there? It took him 20 years. I'm going to say that again slowly. It took him 20 years to realize he was in the hands of the one against whom it is useless to struggle. Where is your dependence? Who are you relying on? You? You're relying on your job? You're relying on your neighbor? Your friend? Your buddy? Your cousin Tom? Or are you relying on God? Who are you relying on? Oh, my favorite answer. Myself. I'm relying on me. Nobody's going to do anything for me but me. Wrong. After this crippling touch, Jacob's struggle took a new direction for the rest of his life. Now crippled and in his natural strength, he became bold in his faith. Jacob completely changed after this encounter. That's why this encounter took place. It took 20 years, so it starts from deception. He'd never see his mom again. Remember I told you that? Remember what I told you his blessing looked like? This was what the blessing of Jacob looked like. He's never going to see his mom again. His brother wanted to kill him. He's going to go to this faraway land to his uncle who's going to do him dirty in business dealings. He's going to work seven years for the woman he didn't end up desiring or want. And then he's going to work another seven years. And then when he was ready to go, the guy's like, no, stay. I've been blessed by your God. Stay. Make your wages. And his wages were changed ten times. That's what his blessing looked like. What does your blessing look like? Do you have total dependence on God? Or does God need to cripple your hip? Because if it takes all the way to that point, guess what? He will. Mike, you mind if I share about you for a second? Mike is an amazing guy. Everybody in the room that knows Mike. Mike does too much. Too much. Because of his heart. And Mike knows he does too much. And Mike had a major health scare recently because he does too much. And we love you. 
And he was aware of that before his health struggle. That was God touching his hip real quick. We discussed this. What does total dependence on God look like in your life? What does letting go of that fear look like in your life? Are you living in the fear of knowing God or are you living in the fear of unhealthy, irrational, false evidence appearing real, stressing out situations, creating anxiety, anxiety and panic and unhealthy things for yourself? How are you living? I don't know how you're living. I see you on Sunday morning when you come in, you smile at me and you tell me everything in your life is great. That's all I get. Unless you want to share with me more. I would love to pray with you. I have other people around here who would love to pray with you. If you feel like today God spoke something into your life, let somebody know. Let's dim these lights real quick and let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that you teach us who we are as people who you are as God. I'm thankful that your word teaches us how to have total dependence on you. I'm thankful that your word teaches us that when the time comes, you might have to touch our hip and get our attention. I'm thankful that you put buildings like this in place for us to be able to come and meet and read your word and get to know you on a deeper, more intimate level. If there's anybody here today, I want all heads down. I want all eyes closed. I don't want anybody looking around and making anybody feel uncomfortable. If you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, go ahead and raise your hand, and we're going to give that prayer. And if you're here and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, raise your hand. Go ahead. No one's looking. Okay, I see your hands. Thank you. So for everybody in the room to help everybody feel comfortable, we're going to pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, Lord. I acknowledge that my only restitution for sin is through your blood. So I'm going to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. that you rose again on the third day and that you are my Savior and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to have a relationship with you and you're going to be my God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.